the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Colossians. John 1 17, the Bible says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. We can't be about the law. We can't be heavy on the law. We have to be full of grace, seasoned with salt, and then be ready to give an answer. And that's what Peter said in 1 Peter 3.15. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Always give people an answer when it comes to the hope and light that you have placed within you. Today, you learn from Pastor Gary's message that as a disciple of Jesus, you're called to bring salt and light to this earth. You are to bring the truth that is found in God's Word, along with the grace, mercy, and love that is displayed within His character. Pastor Gary encourages you that no matter where you're placed within this world, be an influencer of light truth and grace wherever and whoever you are around at the close of pastor gary's message today i'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of cornerstone connection subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us but for now let's join pastor gary in the book of colossians chapter 4 with today's edition of cornerstone connection now if jesus if the son of god had unlimited resources tapped into the power of his Father in heaven, and he saw the need to get up in the morning before sun rose and to get into a solitary place and pray. How much more do I need to pray? How much more do you need to pray? But it's a discipline. Lord, teach us to pray. It will not come naturally or conveniently. Here's another verse that comes to mind in regards to prayer. In 1 Thessalonians 5.17, it says, pray continually. Some of your translations say, pray without ceasing. And I think that's a good reminder, and this is point number two. Prayer is a disposition, not just a destination. Now, look, there are many examples in the Bible where it speaks of prayer like a destination. In in Acts chapter 16, it, it talks about how Paul went to the place, the place of prayer, uh, I, I just mentioned Mark one thirty five. Jesus went to a solitary place where he could pray. Uh, in Matthew chapter 6, I think it's verse 10, where it talks about uh, when you pray, go into your, your prayer closet, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and the one who sees in secret will reward you. And so it even speaks about a place of prayer. There are definitely places for prayer. If you ever saw the movie War Room, which is an awesome movie, you know how she had that that room in her house where she would go and and pray. And prayer is, you know, it's a place where you can make as a destination. I'm going to go to my place of prayer. 
but it is also a disposition. Because when Paul writes there in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray continually or pray without ceasing, you can pray anywhere, anytime. You can pray as you're driving to work. You can pray as you're driving home from work. And I don't, I don't just mean the kind of prayers like, oh, this traffic, Lord, get these people. I don't mean that kind of prayer. I mean, you know, just you're, you're praying to work, you're praying from work, you're praying when you have some downtime, you're praying when you're mowing the lawn, you're praying when you're washing your car, you're praying when you're shoveling snow, you're, you're just different times where you just have some alone time, you can be praying. Some of the best times of prayer I've had are in the shower, when it's like nobody's around, and it's just, you know, just that soothing hot water on your neck, and you're just like giving your day to the Lord, just, I mean, prayer can happen any place, any time. Pray continuously, pray without ceasing. It doesn't have to be long, protracted, you know, these, you know, uh, uh, lengthy prayers, It can just be you're constantly just communing and having conversation with God. I mean, that's what what prayer is. But please, let's remind ourselves, conversation is a two-way communication path. Because conversation is not just talking, it's also listening. Sometimes I think to myself when I hear people say, you know, God doesn't speak to me. I I pray, I pray, I pray, and and God doesn't speak to me. That's because you're so busy talking, he can't get a word in edgewise. How about you just stop yapping long enough in your prayer closet or wherever you are driving or doing whatever to just make prayer a time of just listening. Just be still before the Lord and know that he is God. Sometimes our prayers amount to just a bunch of requests. Lord, I want this. I need that. You know, heal me of this and, and, uh, and help that person, help this person. And th- those are wonderful and those have a, a good place in our prayer life. But, but what often is lacking is stopping long enough to listen. Just listen. Praying continuously does not necessarily mean you're talking continuously. It means you are having fellowship and communion with God. And so sometimes it is talking, and sometimes it is just listening, just being still and asking him to speak to your hearts. So pray continuously. Lord, teach us to pray. Number one, it doesn't come naturally or necessarily conveniently. Pray, number two, continuously, which means it's not just a destination. It's also a disposition. It should be ongoing way that we see our Christian lives. And then The third point, I'm drawing on two verses here out of Philippians 4, 6 and Luke 22, 42. Here's here's the full verse, uh, Philippians 4, 6 and 7, actually. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, now listen to that along with Luke twenty two forty two. Jesus, this is also in the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus prays, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Now he's speaking about the cup of suffering, and it's, and it's J- Jesus is expressing. You know, look, he's fully God, but he's also fully man. There's, a, there's the, the wonderful mystery of, of the incarnation, God taking on human flesh. The humanity part of Jesus, like any of us, would not want to experience excruciating agony and pain of a crucifixion. So Jesus is actually praying to his Father, if there's another means by which redemption of the world can be accomplished, and I don't have to experience this suffering, Lord, if you could take this cup from me, Father, then then do it, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. 
And I think it's important to remember that when you, when you take a look again at Philippians 4, 6 and Luke twenty two forty two, that prayer is presenting your request to God. That's Philippians 4, 6. But it is also about surrendering your will to his. Now, I hear Christians from time to time, and I just want to, you know, challenge this thinking. I hear Christians sometimes saying that your prayer life should really be about telling God rather than asking God. And it, and it comes across like, you know, just, and I know people mean well when they say these kind of things, but I hear this kind of nonsense in the body of Christ sometimes. And I hear people actually say things like, you just go in to prayer, just telling God and, you know, standing on your faith. And, and in a sense, I don't think they would necessarily use this word, but demanding from God what you want done and you just claim it and you just say it and, and it'll be done for you. Listen, listen to me, listen to me, friends. It's okay to defer to the will of God. It's okay to defer to the will of God. I'll go so far as to say it's necessary that you defer to the will of God. I have heard some Christians say it's weak for Christians to close a prayer by saying your will be done. Uh, excuse me, but Jesus did it right here in Luke twenty-two forty-two, And he also did it again in Matthew chapter 6 when he taught the model of the Lord's prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. There's nothing weak about saying, Lord, I want your will. What you're doing is you're surrendering your will to the greater will of the Father. You're making your request known. You're saying, Lord, I'm pouring out my heart. That's Philippians 4, 6, and 7. With thanksgiving, I'm making my, my prayers, my petitions, my requests known to you by supplications with thanksgiving. Present your request to God. That's Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And the peace of God will, that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's a wonderful benefit we get when we pray, that the peace of God just transcends our hearts and minds and guards us from the fear and the worry and the anxiety. His peace just comes all over us. So make your request known. Lift it up to the Lord. Tell him what you need. James warns us in James chapter 4, you have not because you ask not. Or you have not because you ask with wrong motives, is what James says to us. So ask. But we had better be willing to also say, but Lord, you know what's best. And you know far more than I know. And you can see far greater than what I can see. And because all I can see is this little, this little tiny part of life, as I pray and make my request known, if you have better intentions for me, then let your will be done, not mine. That is not a weak prayer, friends. That is acknowledging the sovereignty of your Father in heaven who loves you and the willingness to humble yourself enough to defer to the will of God. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane before he's crucified. And he's saying, Father, I'm presenting my request to you. If you got another way to accomplish this besides the crucifixion, I really wouldn't like to suffer. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So we can pray that way, and it's okay. John would write in 1 John chapter uh, 5, verse 14, this is the confidence we have in approaching God when we pray, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So don't discount the will of God in your prayer life. 
A lot of times we have this misunderstanding that prayer is about, you know, wanting God to kind of align with our will. That's not it, friends. It is getting to that place of such surrender that we have aligned our will with the will of God. So pray, make your requests known, but defer to the will of God and trust Him with the results. Amen? All right. Now, here's some quick things that remind us about uh, how important it is to God in terms of uh, when we pray to Him. God loves my persistence. Uh, Luke 18, this is a reminder in Luke 18, 1, this is when Jesus told His disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. That's what Luke 18, 1 says. And then it was the, prayer, the parable, rather, of the persistent widow. So God loves it when we are persistent in prayer. Uh, point number two, God can handle my emotions. When you pray, go ahead and pour out. And I didn't even put a specific scripture reference. I just said Psalms. Because when you read through the book of Psalms, you see every kind of emotion. You see frustration. You see fear. You see worry. You see anger. There's times David's angry at God. God's a big God. He can take your anger. He can take your disappointments. He can take your fears. He can take your worries. He can take all kinds of emotion. And so God can handle all our emotions. Pour it out to him. He's a big God. God honors Humility. Jeremiah 29, 10 to 13. This is the promise that Jeremiah gave to the people of Israel when they were being taken off into captivity to Babylon for 70 years. It was God spanking. Remember when he spanked the people of Israel because of their idolatry, sent them to Babylon for 70 years? But the prophet Jeremiah gave them hope and he said to them in chapter 29, 10 to 13, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And then you will call upon me. Then you will call upon me. See, after they had been humbled, then they will call upon him. And come to me and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Also, point number four on the list, God welcomes my burdens. In Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. King James is heavy laden when you have the, just feeling this weight on you in life and I will give you rest. And God wants my trust. In Acts 12, verse five, it talks about how Peter had been arrested and thrown in prison. But Acts 12 says, Acts 12, 5 says, so Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. They trusted God. Like, Lord, he's in prison. He's one of our brothers. We're going to trust you. God wants us to trust him in our prayers. And in that case, uh, God miraculously delivered Peter from prison as well. Let's move on then to this last section I want to just uh, touch on briefly, which is our communication with others, having to do with our witness. Notice again in verse 5, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Now, I want to uh, just comment on that word outsiders, uh, if you'll circle that in your Bible. Um, New King James says, those who are without. It's not a disparaging term, but it's just simply saying there are some outside the church. There are some outside the faith. There are some who, who are without. They don't know Christ as their Savior. Uh, they don't pretend to know Christ as their Savior. And they're living life like anybody does who doesn't know Christ as their Savior. And Paul's got some instruction here in verses 5 and 6 about how we are to conduct ourselves in relation to those who don't know Christ. But I want you to notice here two words. He says, be wise in the way you act, circle that, 
Some of your translations say walk. It's the Greek word peripateo. It's the way that you live out your life. It's the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Verse 6, let your conversation, circle that word, be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So in your Bible, circle the word act and circle the word conversation, because I think that's one of the important points about our witness, that it is about action and conversation. It's about how we live and what we say. People in general are not interested in what you have to say until they first can observe your life. You know, developing the respect to speak into somebody's life takes a little bit of time for you to be observed that you are respectable. And so our witness is not just what we say, it's how we live. It's our conduct. That's why he says here, be wise. Be wise about how you act. Be careful with your conversation because it is both how we conduct ourselves and what we say that will make an impact in terms of our witness. It will either make for a witness or it will blow our witness. You say, well, I'm not sure I I like to be always so, you know, reminded of this. Well, we need to be reminded of this. Uh, Someone once said that you might be the only Bible somebody ever reads. You, You are a living, walking ambassador for Christ And a good ambassador always represents properly that government that he or she is sent from, right? So like an ambassador from a foreign country is always kind of on display representing that government or that president or that prime minister from the country that he or she was sent. And so it is as Christians, we are ambassadors for Christ. Our lives are on display and wherever we go, how we act and what we say is representing Christ, either a good representation or a bad representation. But you will be demonstrating something by the way you act and what you say. The other thing that he mentions here that I think is an important reminder to us is that it's about looking for opportunities to represent Christ. Because he says there, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, make the most of every opportunity. Have you ever prayed and asked the Lord to give you opportunities to share your faith? When you do, you'll be surprised at the doors that open. It'll be startling to you. I I dare you. No, I double dare you. No, pray and ask the Lord, Lord, give me opportunities to share my faith. You'll be amazed You'll be amazed at how suddenly people will start asking you or having conversations with you and the doors that will be open for you to be able to share your faith. Look for those opportunities. Pray for those opportunities. But listen, don't feel the pressure that you have to close the deal. All right. You know, some people get the idea that if, if I if I start to share my faith, I, I you know, I'm, I'm on a I'm on the metro with somebody. I don't have enough time to share my faith in five minutes because my stop is coming up. So I just won't say anything. That's what we tend to do. Uh, and 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 yet what the important thing for us to do is to take advantage of every opportunity, because as we're reminded in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, Paul says, you know what? I planted the seed. And one of his fellow missionary companions, Apollos, he said, Apollos would often water the seed. And he said, but God is the one who gives the increase. 
And so Paul says, look, I worked very well with Apollos. Sometimes I would just plant the gospel. I would just get the idea going. I'd plant the seed. Apollos would come along, he'd water it, but God's the one that caused it to grow and bear fruit. So your job, my job is not to get somebody saved. Okay. You and I don't have the power to get somebody saved. That's, that's up to God. Our responsibility is sometimes to plant the seed. Sometimes just to plant the seed, just to drop you know, to start to drop a little seed of, of a conversation about Christ. Tell your story a little bit. You don't, you don't have to get them to recite the four spiritual laws and pray right there on Metro. Could you bow your, your head now and kneel here and as the Metro's coming to its stop and then, and then you hear doors opening, hurry, pray the prayer. Doors opening, hurry. You don't have to seal the deal. Sometimes it's just you plant and God has a wonderful way of bringing someone else into that person's life to water it come along after you, and then God's the one that gives the increase and God's the one that causes people to get saved. Last thing that's important to be reminded about here that he mentions in verse 6 is that it's about speech that is full of grace, seasoned with salt, and ready to answer everyone. Now, I love the way he talks about grace here, seasoned with salt, because grace is the love part and salt is the truth part. See, because one of the properties of salt is it serves to be like an antiseptic. It stings. You get salt in a wound, it stings. But it has healing properties to it. So it's working. But what he's saying here is I want, I want our speech to be seized. He's a full of grace, full of grace, okay, seasoned with salt, just a sprinkle, all right? Full of grace, just a sprinkle of salt. You... You dump too much salt on something, nobody wants it. You can turn anything good into something terrible with too much salt, but just enough to flavor it, oh, now it's delicious, delicious. So what he's reminding us is when you are sharing about the Lord or you're talking to someone about your faith, you know, don't go in there with both barrels loaded. Don't start confronting them about their lifestyle do you know how this is displeasing to God? Do you know how, you know, sinner, there's a word for you, sinner. <laughs> Why don't you just go in softly, full of grace, and season it with salt? You know, bring truth into it, but don't dump a whole boatload of salt onto it because you'll make it unpalatable. Season it with salt. In John 1.17, the Bible says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. We can't be about the law. We can't be heavy on the law. We have to be full of grace, seasoned with salt, and then be ready to give an answer. That's what Peter said in 1 Peter 3.15. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. I love the way Peter says that in 1 Peter 3.15, and I love the way that Paul says this here in Colossians 4.6, because the inference is, when he speaks here about being ready to answer everyone, the inference is that our lives should be lived in such a way that it causes people to ask us questions. You don't necessarily have to be confrontational with grace and truth. Our lives should be saying something to people that they look at us and say, I want something that you have and I don't know what it is. Be ready to give an answer to people who ask the question, what what is it about you? What's different about you? 
What, why, why, why is your life like it is? And why do you go to church? And how come your kids and your marriage and how come this and that seem to be different from mine? What, what do you have? Live your lives in such a way that it creates an atmosphere of people wanting Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Colossians 2, 6 through 7 says, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Here at Cornerstone Connection, we are committed to providing teaching that helps you become rooted and built up in Christ. Pastor Gary Hamrick is working through Colossians, and it is full of wisdom that will establish your heart in the faith. If you want to take this one step further, we have companion resources available for you. These digital study guides are for those who want to learn more about today's message. You can find these resources and so much more on our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. While you're there, you can subscribe to our podcast or download our mobile app. Hours of great teaching from God's Word in the palm of your hand. Cornerstone Connection is a ministry out of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. If you're in the area, check out our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc, to find our location and service time. If you have specific prayer requests, you can send them to us at prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. And remember that we are always giving thanks for you when we pray for you. We can't wait to connect with you again next time at Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not alone General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.